0: Greetings once again, beloved, and welcome to another recording of Jesus' life on earth. These are some of the sermons from this past summer that we weren't able to record that I'm trying to get out there for everybody. Uh, The study is chronological. These were preached chronologically, uh, but we didn't have the ability to record over the summer. So I have three more, just three more that we need to record, uh, and then you will have every part available to you. So again, if you're listening to these Uh, through Podbean or iTunes. I don't know exactly how Google Podcasts do it, uh, but with either, uh, I guess it's not iTunes anymore, with Apple Podcasts or Podbean, uh, you can literally sort the episodes. And if you just sort it by Jesus' life on earth, you'll see the entire study, which is uh, quite a few parts at this point. Uh, As I said last time, you won't lose anything if you listen to them out of order. Uh, But I am laboring to try and give you the sequence of these uh, so that you can listen to them in order if you would like. Uh, If you would like uh, any of these outlines sent to you, you can email me at GMBC at gmail.com. That's Grace Missionary Baptist Church, that little acronym in the middle there. Uh, I'd be happy. I, I type everything up in Word. Uh, and it's it's not too awful to follow along with, but if there's some things that you'd like to have in writing that you can uh, teach from or study from with your family, uh, you're more than welcome to email me. Uh, if you want everything, uh, it may take me a few emails because there's a lot of files. Uh, but if there's certain ones that you're looking for, uh, just let me know. I'd be happy to help out in any way we can. The church doesn't make anything off of this, uh, and we're not looking to. But if we can be a blessing any, anyway, we would... Uh, we would love to do so. If you don't have a local New Testament church in your area, just a friendly uh, public service announcement, just a a reminder, this isn't church. This is a type of Bible study for sure. It can be an enrichment, an encouragement, uh, and an education if the Lord chooses to bless. But this is not church. And if there's any way we can help you find a local church or help you start a mission in your area, uh, we'd be glad to help out in that way as well. Once again, Pastor Joe, GMBC at gmail.com. And um, if, if there's anything we can do to help you out there, certainly uh, you can find us there on Facebook as well Grace Missionary Baptist Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And our address and our contact information and service times are all there as well. Uh, so we'll leave it at that so that we can go ahead and get started. Today's outline follows what I preached yesterday. Jesus' Life on Earth, Jesus at the Feast of Dedication. So if you are trying to put these in order, I have been trying to give uh, the previous message's title in here so you know what to listen to before this, and I hope that that helps. This outline actually begins Part 7 of, of this, what's well, been for me, seven-year study, uh, but Part 7 as far as how A.T. Robertson breaks down the Lord's ministry chronologically. This seventh part is in the Perean ministry, uh, it spans from 8029 to 8030, and it covers roughly three and a half months of the Lord's ministry. And I can go ahead and tell you uh, that it, it has taken us longer than three and a half months to teach it. Uh, there's a lot here that the Lord is dealing with in the seventh part of His, of his ministry, in the seventh portion, if you will. Uh, the eighth portion, just to give you some reference, uh, I believe the way I broke down my outline, the eighth portion of this study uh, will be the Lord's uh, time in Calvary, the cross, the, the passion, the sacrifice. Uh, and since we are still doing the Parian study in the present day on Sunday afternoons, uh, you understand that we're covering a lot, but we're also getting very, very close uh, to the end of recording all these older messages. So bear with me. The title of this message is Jesus Withdraws to Bethany Beyond Jordan. And you'll understand what Perean means as we go into it. It it literally is referencing that beyond Jordan period. Uh, But we'll we'll get into it here. John chapter 10, verses 40, 41, and 42. And went away again beyond Jordan, which again, that word Perean literally means beyond Jordan, into the place where John at first baptized. And there he abode, Jesus. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. But all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. Throughout the Gospel accounts, the only writer that specifically references Jesus going beyond Jordan at this time was John. Each of the other three make reference to his labors there. Uh, Matthew, in Matthew 19, verses 1 and 2, we read, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea, beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Mark talks about it, John Mark, in uh, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 1. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea, by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resorted unto him again, and as he was wont, he taught them again. And there's also a reference in Dr. Luke's account in the verses that we'll aim to look at uh, here in a minute in this particular outline. But we can start to see the benefits of doing a study like what we're doing here. Because we can see that if we were just reading Matthew's account, or just reading Mark's account, or really just reading John's account, uh, you can really blow by the fact that, and Jesus traveled, uh, and and he went somewhere else. But it's significant when we put everything in order that we start to see this jigsaw puzzle for a complete picture of what the Lord's ministry was, and we can kind of follow the message that he's preaching, because he's not preaching to a brand new group of people every time either. There are those that are following him, As we mentioned a couple of times already, there's a great portion of Luke that that follows this particular study in which the Lord teaches for about four chapters, chapter 13 through 17, uh, there in Dr. Luke's account, that the Lord teaches on discipleship. And it's lesson after lesson after lesson on discipleship. It's a very long discussion uh, where he's interrupted by the Pharisees quite a few times and the scribes. But he's teaching on the idea of following him. Consider the cost. All of those things take place right there in Luke. We see the phrase here, the place where John at first baptized. And as for this reference, let's consider what Dr. Luke wrote in Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. That way, again, we have a complete picture of where Jesus is. In Luke chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor over Judea, and Herod being Tetrarch over Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch over Eturia, and of the region of Chaconitis, and Licinius, Licinius, the Tetrarch of Abilene, Annas, and Caiaphas being the high priests. And again, you can look at the introduction. Uh, If you want to go back and listen to that message, that covers a lot of what Tetrarchs are and how all this is broken down. Um, And that can be found on our feed as well. Uh, The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, (coughs) in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So yes, we get what John's preaching there, but we also get the region, which is now very important because that's where Jesus is, in the place where John at first baptized. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. (laughs) Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Remember, this is John the Baptist who's preaching here. He says, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. This is very significant. One, the idea of bringing forth fruits worthy of repentance, we are going to see that in a minute of what Jesus is now preaching in the Perean area. But it's also very significant because... Uh, the things that follow in that phrasing uh, of the Lord being able to raise up children unto Abraham with these stones, this comes uh, seemingly on the heels, uh, us reading it now, it comes on the heels of Jesus saying very similarly the same thing uh, in in our previous lesson. So uh, what a wonderful opportunity for us to return to where John had said it first. And it goes on, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, Excuse me. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth, and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them, and and this is very important, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. These are very... Specific words that he's using here, and it speaks to what we're now seeing at the beginning uh, of of this outline, John ten verses forty through forty two. We'll Coming back to that, in just a minute. He says, "The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and he will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable." And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. I know this is a long reading for us to go through just to establish the geography of our text, but it serves many purposes for this study. First we see where John's ministry was, of course. This is the same land that Jesus was now coming back to. This is important because of what we see John preaching. He was preaching, repent, lest ye perish, just as Jesus was in our previous lesson. He also taught to those crowds that one mightier than I cometh, which is significant to our study today, for he was there. These indeed were all things that John spake of this man, And they were true. These are phrases from just three verses in John that we started with today. All things that John spake of this man. And now you've heard what John spake of this man. Indeed, indeed, they are true. And lastly, we see at the close of that excerpt from Luke that John's preaching had angered Herod the Tetrarch. He had actually riled up the entire family for preaching against the sin of their house, which led here to the imprisonment and eventually his death. This is important for what is coming soon in this land in our study. The next section of our outline, uh, because these are short events, obviously I'm not going to spend 30 minutes on just the terrain or the geography of where the Lord preaches, uh, but in setting up this new area and this new part of his ministry, we have a lot of short bursts of, of things we need to address. And the second one is there's a question about salvation that he deals with, as he enters into this land beyond Jordan. If you turn back to Luke 13, we're going to look at verses 22 through 30. And when Jesus went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem, then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and not be able." When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taunt in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity." a phrase that we had just seen in the previous lesson uh, that we recorded yesterday. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. Notice the Lord once again redirecting the questions of the crowd from concern for the multitude to an intense concern for their own souls. Why concern yourself with how many will be in heaven, dear friend? Will you be there? It is of no concern for your soul if the man sitting in front of you or the woman behind you will be in the kingdom. Has he gone to prepare a place for you? Beloved listener, that's the most important question right now. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Is he preparing a place for you? The text warns us to avoid an easy, complacent, and theoretical attitude toward the, eternity, toward the eternal destiny of the soul. To not act as though we have already arrived, so to speak, but to be in constant pursuit of Jesus. If we fail because we thought salvation was owed to us, we may find that closed door Jesus spoke of. Those who think they are first, like the Pharisees, will find themselves last while those who humbly think themselves last, the sinners, will find themselves first. It has been said, and is likely very true, there may be a lot less in the bride than any of us could ever imagine. I wonder how many less are truly saved than we now believe there to be. How many people do you know in your life that truly confess to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And how many of them show fruit? I know of many, I hope, were saved, but honestly... I could likely count on one hand how many of those lived such a life for Jesus that there was little doubt from their fruit where they were going. And that is how we should live. We should live uh, in such a way that others are impressed and left with very little doubt that you indeed are going to the kingdom. That you are something different, something special, something unique. And that you didn't, you weren't born with it. You didn't achieve it. You didn't rise by the climbing of your, or the tugging on your own bootstraps. But you were made something new. Wycliffe, John Wycliffe wrote. So stringent was the Lord's ethical teaching that his hearers were sure that only a few could be saved through that straight, narrow gate. It's described as straight and narrow for a reason. So, too, should be the teaching today, he says. Jesus was building and instructing his church, beloved. Should she not be of the same resemblance now as she was then? The next event that we see starts right there in Luke 13, verse 31, and it's the reply to the warning against Herod Antipas, which, as I mentioned, it uh, was unique for us to go back to Luke 3 and read because we're, we're going to keep following the events that were set forth there in that chapter. So let's look at Luke 13, verses 31 through 35. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. And this word means, uh, or, or is elsewhere translated, consecrated, or finished in this case. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. It is indeed the closing parts of the Lord's earthly ministry in which he now references. Consider what we uh, read of these future events already. Look at Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village against you. And as soon as you be entered in, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. Remember, this is, uh, these are future events. This is uh, They wouldn't have known that this is what the Lord was referencing, but we as the reader can see it with the advantage of, <coughs> of the written word, the living word, with the advantage of time. We can see that this is what he was referencing. And he says, And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him and straightway he will send him hither and they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways meet or where two ways met and they loose him and certain of them that stood there said unto him what do ye loosing the colt and they said unto them even as jesus had commanded and let them go and they brought the colt of jesus and cast their garments on him and he sat upon him and many spread their garments in the way, and other uh, others cut down branches off of the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The phrase that Jesus had just referenced. Remember, uh, let me read that one more time to you that we just read there uh, in Luke chapter 13. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, talking to Jerusalem. And verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come, when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Continuing on there in Mark 11, Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem, and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the even tide was come, He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Now previously we read where the Lord spoke of a closed door, and now we see his heartfelt message for Jerusalem, the slayer of prophets. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Since Jesus was in the territory ruled by Herod Antipas, the Pharisees thought they could frighten him but they were greatly mistaken. Here is why they were under this false assumption. Herod's father, Herod the Great, had killed the little children in Bethlehem. Remember Matthew 2, verses 16 through 18, where we read, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Rama was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. And Herod Antipas had slain John the Baptist, which we saw there in Luke 3 at the end, he was imprisoned by him. Uh, but if you'll turn to Luke 9, we see the end results of that. Now Herod the tetrarch heard of all that that was done by him, John the Baptist, or I'm sorry, Luke 9, verses 7 through 9, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed, because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead, and of some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. So we have a confession given here. Herod knows that he killed John the Baptist. He removed his head. Uh, but this one, the, the message that we, we just read there in the beginning of this outline, back there in Luke 3, the things that are happening are so precise to what John the Baptist said uh, would happen that others are saying John the Baptist has surely risen from the dead. But Jesus is not afraid of these Pharisees. He's not afraid of Herod either. He lived on a divine timetable and knew that he could not die until his hour had come. You recall, when he does die, he gives up the ghost. It was not stolen from him. John chapter 7, verse 30. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. John chapter 8, verse 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. John 13, 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. John 17, verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify the Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. A divine timetable indeed, beloved. Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. This is what we read there uh, in our text in Luke 13. The third day refers to our Lord's resurrection from the dead when his earthly work of redemption would be completed. Note the uh, in our Lord's words in verse 33 and connect it with how they connect with what was recorded by Dr. Luke earlier in chapter 11. Verses 46 through 52. And Jesus said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchers of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly ye bear witness, and ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchers. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have, not, uh, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge." ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. What a, I understand there's a lot of text that we're reading here, but what a an amazing experience to see that everything that has come before is connected to everything that has come after, and nothing is separated, nothing is deviated, nothing is changed. Uh, it's just, it's it's mind-blowing to think of exactly, uh, just think of the benefit, beloved, of of being able to see these things connect the way we're doing now. The Lord allowed for this. He inspired men to write it, and it is a living, breathing word, sure, but he's allowed for us to understand what connects all these things. If we're here and born again, you're listening to this, you know the Lord Jesus, you understand he's that connective tissue that brings all of this together. During his years of public ministry, Jesus gave people many opportunities to repent and believe the gospel, but they preferred to go their own way. But God is long-suffering and gracious and will one day bring salvation to the nation. They will welcome their Messiah, and this should ever be our prayer. Listen to the following. i got a couple more excerpts to read before we close. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadadrimim, And this is a place in the Valley of Megiddo, where a national lamentation was held for the death of King Josiah. A similar Valley of Megiddo is referenced in Revelation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of earth mourn. And this mourning and mourn, it's M-O-U-R-N. It's not speaking of the rising of the sun, uh, but the rising, honestly, of judgment. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Praise the Lord, beloved. Uh, There's a rapture coming, and it's coming soon. Turn to one last place in the Bible. We want to read Revelation 16. And it may seem early to you in our chronological study of the Lord's ministry to be looking at Revelation, but there's a lot of things that he's already beginning to reference, and more coming, uh, and we need to see that this is the same Jesus. So turn to Revelation 16 if you would. John, our writer, says, I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel Poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, "'Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments.' And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness.' And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of the de- uh, they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon or the hill or city of Megiddo, which we just read of a minute ago. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, And great Babylon came in remembrance before God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. At the end of everything, beloved, God will have his. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, your mercy upon us, for we are sinners. Your mercy upon the hearer, Father, and if they don't know you, I pray, Lord, today's the day. This 16th chapter of Revelation. This is not something that we should take lightly. It is a great mercy, Father, that you would reveal this unto us. I don't know that our minds can truly comprehend all that is depicted here. But I pray, Father, the sinner, even my old man nature, though I am redeemed, would quiver at the thought of such judgment. It's deserved. We have rebelled. Oh, Lord, help the hard-hearted that might hear this message, that they would not hear this in vain, Father. Help them to hear of these that are so stubborn, so hard-hearted, that even in the face of these vials, they would blaspheme and mock you. Turn our... Selves, Father, from our wicked ways. Call us unto thyself. Lord, we long for that rapture we spoke of. Those of us who are indeed born again, we long for the returning of our Lord and Savior, that we will see him as he really is, that we will come to bask in his light and in his warmth. Help us, Father, for the remaining hours in this world, for the heartache and the suffering that we are experiencing presently. Lord, we just ask and plead for your mercy if it be your will. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.